This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. Every city has its own set of unwritten rules. Politico recently published their list of essential rules for surviving D.C. So we got one of our favorite guests, Westward reporter Connor McCormick-Cavanaugh, to help producer Paul Caroli and I put together our own list of essential rules for surviving Denver. Today is Thursday, March 2nd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Hey, Connor. Hey, what's going on, Bray? Hi, Paul. Good morning, you two. So we are phoning Connor in. We're talking to you, Connor. We had you on the show last week because you are moving away from Denver. You have moved away from Denver, um, which we thought made you the perfect guest to help us with this project we've been wanting to do. Um, Politico published this 28 Rules for Surviving D.C. a couple of weeks back, and we thought, why why don't we do a... Rules for Surviving Denver, and you have officially survived Denver. And we thought, why not? Who better to help us out than Connor? I, Connor, are you are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. I, I'd okay. like to say congratulations on surviving yes. Denver, Connor. <laughs> How long were you here, Connor? Uh, five years. Oh, that's a good amount of time to really get to know the city, for sure. <laughs> it's so, easy to survive five years. So, so give me your, what's your first... First rule for surviving Denver. First rule for surviving Denver. It's important to recognize that Colorado casual is a real thing. So um, (laughs) just be be mindful in situations. Don't overdress. Like I remember when I first got here, I went to a work event. It was put on by the secretary, the Colorado secretary of state's office. And um, I show up and one of the secretary of state employees is wearing a suit and he's wearing Tevas with his suit. And yeah, I kind of learned then that Colorado casual is a real thing. Usually it's it's not necessarily that much of an insane juxtaposition. But yeah, people in Denver just kind of um, dress a bit more casually than a lot of uh, other parts of the country. And that suits me very, very well because I'm very much like a Vans type guy. I like to wear Vans and jeans and, and keep it casual in that regard. And yeah, I don't know. I think there's something almost like egalitarian about that or kind of um, everyone's the same. I I like it. Um, Not that everyone has to dress the same, but like kind of when people are keeping it casual, it feels... Everybody's on the same vibe about it. Same vibe about it. Yeah. And so it's very much a real thing and and people should just be mindful of that. Paul, I feel like you had something similar on your list. I do. I do. I've touched on the same theme here with one of mine, which was don't judge a person based on their puffer jacket. They could be a CEO or a ski bum. They could be on their way to a wedding or the slopes. Um, For the reasons Connor said, I mean, where, where in Denver would you be out of place in athletic wear or like snow gear? I think you could go to a fancy restaurant in your vans and jeans, Connor, and not feel out of place. Yeah. Definitely. I, I also 
to me, like the most dressy when I think about like if you're going black tie, which is very rare. Like like you're saying, Connor, it's not when you're meeting with like elected officials. It's like for a gala or something or fundraiser. Yeah. That's when you see people break out the like chambray or like denim button up shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, bow. I, I would say a tuxedo, but with a bolo tie. Maybe here's That's another like, rule: Western wear is formal wear. Yes. Yes. Totally. Yes. Totally. Exactly. Western wear. Totally. You don't. You don't have to be a cowboy to wear Western wear no. as formal wear. I, I'm thinking of of your your boss and our friend of the show, Patty Calhoun at Westward. Uh, she's from Chicago, and she knows Western wear is in all seasons, all occasions. Look for sure. That's a staple for for Patty. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Paul, what's one of your rules for surviving Denver? Um, I'd like to do two, if that's okay, because they're connected for me personally. I kind of uh, learned both of these lessons with one bad experience up in Leadville one summer. Went to, uh, went to a show or attempted to go to a show at the Tabor Opera House. Got a little bit overwhelmed. Had maybe too much edible a little more than i could handle also leadville two miles high so that leads me to two important rules for surviving denver one 10 milligrams means 10 milligrams dose down if you're new to weed be mindful microdose to the experts microdose yes maybe even microdose and then two mile high means mile high don't be cavalier with the altitude you could really run into trouble (laughs) So you're saying, are you saying these combined or just in general, you've encountered both of these issues? Well, for me, it was that one day where I really felt them and I think that they need to be there. But uh, but they're separate rules. I mean, you got to take both of those things seriously, weed and altitude for sure. Connor, did either of these hit you? Uh, I think um, I think it's if you're having um, people from out of state visit, especially folks who are a bit older, just like kind of monitor them about the altitude stuff. And then, yeah, so I think it's important for people not to, like, overdo it on the on the weed. I think, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about folks going to Amsterdam years ago for the first time and getting super high. And I think yes. the same thing can happen here. And so just don't overdo it. And, I mean, the same goes with alcohol. I think um, the altitude makes people's tolerances go down and the alcohol hits you a bit more. And so just, like, especially when you're um, – first in denver and colorado just kind of go easy on the drinks and pace yourself a bit more than usual of course connor now that you're a lowlander <laughs> you're gonna be a god among men yeah i was gonna I say you can drink way more i can i'm gonna start like yeah drinking a full keg wherever i go um no big deal i also have just one more thing to add to the altitude thing mm-hmm. um it's perfectly acceptable also in professional settings to bring extremely large water bottles to yes, meetings. That's with on you. my list. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So I, I think about every time I, you know, you go to a, a any kind of meeting, but you're in like a corporate setting and you're at a giant conference table and people have like two gallon water bottles with like shred the NARS, I don't know, whatever, no pain, no Jane stickers on their water bottles. And this is totally professionally acceptable. Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's really important to survive Denver. You have to just like become a water fiend like you just have to crush water at all times when you wake up before you go to bed otherwise you're just gonna be you're gonna be like spongebob when he said that he didn't need water 
and he just dried up. <laughs> don't, don't be like SpongeBob. <laughs> don't be like, yeah, fiending SpongeBob. Okay, uh, Paul. Okay, what do you I got? got a fun one. And I actually don't know why this is a rule, but I've heard enough people say it that I think it's probably important enough to be here. Don't ski in jeans. <laughs> I remember as a kid going skiing and wearing jeans and it was fine. So I don't know why this is bad, but I understand that it's bad and I won't do it. But do it's either a, of you know? It's an insult. It's an insult. Like if you say he skis in jeans, you're saying like he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's used in um, political discourse to like diss politicians like the Democratic campaign will say, oh, you know, Cory Gardner skis in jeans and Cory Gardner's campaign will be like, oh, no, Hickenlooper skis in jeans. And so, it's yeah, it's an insult. You're referencing, of course, the famous debate from 2012 where they went, no, I have no idea. I have no idea. If they actually I was would like, say I this wish back they were debating that. No, someone someone said that in a political campaign in the last couple of years but i don't know i'm i'm now that i'm thinking about it skiing in jeans like someone who does it ironically sounds kind of cool <laughs> yeah i would i would assume the origin of it is sort of like connected to our colorado casual is like it's jeans are not a super flexible fabric they don't do great when they get wet um they're not warm they're not lined like it's kind of like a noob's it's a noob or, thing. You look like a noob. It's a noob's thing. You look like a noob. You look like a square. You look like you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. So someone who skis in jeans is a loser. Sorry, yeah. Paul, if you hey, grew up skiing in jeans. That's okay. That's okay. I can own that. I have one that's related. Yes. Go for it. You don't need to ski if you live in Denver. Mm. Like, you, you really mm -hmm. don't. I think um, people get this idea about living in Denver, living in Colorado, that you have to be a skier or a boarder, but you don't have to. Like, uh... It's, you'll be just fine without it. I mean, I I grew up snowboarding. I snowboarded throughout my whole life. And um, the five years that I lived in Denver, I didn't go once. And it's kind of weird, but it, it's like, you know, it's expensive. And so I just never, I was fine without it. There's other stuff to do and there's stuff to do in, in the city. So, yeah. I grew up here and I grew up in a non-skiing family. So I definitely had tons of friends who went skiing and regularly go skiing. My husband regularly snowboards. But um, it is definitely not a requirement, nor do people expect that it's something that you're into or you're interested in. So that's a good point. Yeah, that's a great Paul, role. where are you on the, the skiing in Colorado situation? I mean, like I mentioned, I grew up skiing. I know how to do it. Um, when I moved here, I was looking forward to doing it more. But I am also really afraid of heights, and I just don't like being on chairlifts at all. Yeah. So as much as I enjoy the actual skiing part, once I get up there, there's so much of it that's just like really unpleasant and anxiety-inducing for me that I don't do it. So yeah, wow. put me in the no-ski column. Haven't been in years. I feel that. I feel that. I have a cousin who's a hella ski guide, so he gets dropped out of a helicopter to ski on the tops of mountains and teach other people how to do it. And I enjoy the thrill of watching his videos mm -hmm. doing it. Same, yeah. But I, it's incredible to see. I mean, it looks like it's unreal to watch, but I'll save that for my cousin Calvin. He can enjoy that. Okay. Uh, 
Who's next? I can go. I can go. Yeah. I've got a go big one. This is well, this one's a huge can of worms. I feel yeah, that I, I know what you're going to say. I mean, it's maybe the biggest one. And maybe we can talk about the wording of how we want to phrase this, but don't say you're a Denver native. It's an ugly term, and it only highlights the fact that this city was built on Arapaho and Cheyenne ancestral land. Yes, I would agree. I, I would. The caveat would be unless you are indigenous to this area, you are absolutely welcome to identify as native if you so choose. But yes, uh, folks like me who may have by the random chance of the universe and geography be born here, um, you are not a native. Um, Connor, what is your take on this? No, I agree. I I think uh, born and raised is uh, the way to capture it. I think it's easy. And that way um, you're not saying anything that could be misconstrued or um, be inaccurate or disrespectful. Yeah, the disrespect part is important. It's exclusive. It's like Denver's for me. Like when you say, oh, I'm a Denver native, it's like, oh, this city's for me. I have some special right to it here that you don't have because maybe you didn't, you weren't born here by happenstance. It's just always been a very uncomfortable conversation. For sure. I think I have something related to this. I think um, like where you're from and whether you're from here or you're not from here, like it matters less than you would think. I think it, yes. when you when you first get here, I, I, I do feel like, yeah, if you hear someone say like, oh, I'm a Denver native, like may come across as like a little intimidating. But like, I don't know, after a while, like it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's just you live in Denver. And so... We all live in Denver, and yeah, so it matters a lot less. So I, I have two things I want to say here. One, um, it's totally cool, though. If I think about folks I run into that uh, you know are proud that their family has lived here for four generations because maybe they established a neighborhood or um, they were part of the I know the Chicano Civil Rights Movement or something like that, and that comes up naturally if you talk to someone for long enough. Like, it's not just put out there. So I think the important part is, like, it's super cool to be proud that you're from Denver because uh, to me, it's like I, I say I say it if it comes up because I really love it. But I do. I used born and raised or just ra or just say I just say I grew up here. Um, so I think it's OK to be proud about it. It depends on how you're talking about it in the context. But um, to touch on something you're saying to Connors, it kind of cuts both ways because Sometimes I'm meeting somebody for the first time and they start talking about it. And then they ask me, where are you from? And I have to say, oh, I, was, I was born here. And sometimes they go, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I know you guys feel this way about people that just moved here. And I'm like, no, literally, I don't care. So it can kind of go both ways. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like to bring it up as much as you don't want to talk about it if you're not from here. So I think it's something that folks can be cognizant of on, on both sides. Yeah. And the other thing I would say is, unless it comes up naturally in conversation, I don't ask people where they're from the first time I meet them. For sure. It's just, just don't make it weird. Yeah. Just like, like get to know somebody first. Organically, it will sometimes come up and, and that's pretty natural. But just like, don't set it out there right away unless you want to make it, make it weird. Definitely. one that's just kind of like maybe it's not a rule it's just one of those narc things but if you're 
if you're texting for whatever reason, and this is a topic we talk about a lot, um, green chili is spelled with an E. Mm. The chili is C-H-I-L-E. It is not I. And I don't know why that's such a big deal, but it feels like it. It's like a signal to me. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody gets it, I'm like, oh, you get it. You know that this is part of a thing that we care about. It's probably nitpicky and nobody else no, cares. No, no, I, I totally understand that. And I think, I, I mean, one of one of the rules that I came up with is like, say yes to green chili on <laughs> everything. <laughs> like, you should. Connor, what's, what was your experience <laughs> with that when you first like encountered green chili? Because I've heard this from folks as they're like, it's like soupy and you put it on top of things. Like, what was that the first time you encountered that as sort of like... How we use green chili? Yeah, no, like I I wasn't familiar with green chili before. And I think it is a little weird at first. It does seem a little weird at first because it is like, you're like, what's going on here? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you're just like, you don't really know what's going on. But then you just get used to it. And then like the smothered burrito becomes the staple. And then it's just like the go-to at at diners or or restaurants. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. Paul, where do you fall in the green chili conversation? Pro. <laughs> I love it. I wish there was more vegetarian options. Yes. Because you can make a killer vegetarian green chili. I, I would say uh, my concern would be like, I don't know how to understand how you replace the pork element of yeah, green chili. It is a different But thing. you don't think it's a, but it's, but it's something you could make a comparable option to is what you're saying. Yeah. I sometimes just don't ask what's in it. And I just don't let someone tell me there's pork in there. Like green chili is one of those things where it's like, it tests my, my ethics. Are you uh, your non-pork guy or non-meat guy? Uh, my relationship with meat is changing. Um, as loyal listeners to the show um, will will have heard a few times, um, and we don't have to get into it. But yes, not pertinent to the current conversation. But yes, yes. <laughs> So green chili. green chili, understand it, love it, appreciate it, embrace it, spell it with an E. <laughs> Connor, do you have another one? Um, I mean, one is I, I if you spot like a, a celebrity in Denver, like a Denver celebrity, that's that's a pretty big deal. I mean, like go. <laughs> You can you can like freak out a little, go take a picture with them. I don't know. There there aren't like a ton of celebrities in Denver, so if you see one, it's it's really cool. I feel like you are alluding to maybe your favorite kind of celebrity that you might see here, which I would say is uh, sport professional sports players. Those are probably yeah. our closest for sure. Like. It's a big deal. To regular if you see celebrity sightings, yeah. Peyton Manning. If you see Peyton Manning, like that's a really big deal. <laughs> Do you have one? Do you have a celebrity sighting, Connor? Joe Sackick in uh, Vale. That was really cool. cool. Nice. I saw him on uh, a mountain e-bike with his wife and daughter. <laughs> John, some John Denver singer-songwriter was playing Rocky Mountain High in the background. <laughs> Joe Sackick rolled up. People are like, Joe. He's like, yeah. He had just won the Stanley Cup like Hell this yeah. past um, year. So that was cool. That is cool. Paul, can you give for listeners who are unfamiliar, can you give a little background on Joe Sackick for us? Um, he's the current, uh, I think his title is president of hockey operations for the Colorado Avalanche. He was the architect of the most recent Stanley Cup run. And he also captained the team to the, stu- to the two cups they won in 96 and 2001. 
It's kind of a big deal. I mean, that's just not any regular Denver sports celeb. He's on sure. the Mount Rushmore of um, Colorado <laughs> athletes for sure. Yeah, that's a different show. We'll do that one next time when you come back. <laughs> my um, my best friend Casey worked at the Cheesecake Factory like 20 years ago, and she used to wait on Shannon Sharp all the time. And she was like, you have to remember, Denver 20 years ago didn't have a wide variety of restaurants. So... Cheesecake Factory was probably one of the bigger ones that that you might see a celebrity at. So, have you heard about um, uh, when the um, Quebec Nordiques moved to Colorado to become the Colorado Avalanche? The um, the hockey players went to the Cheesecake Factory. It was like Sackick and some others, and they were I mean they were legends in Quebec City. And then here they got here and nobody knew them, and so they couldn't skip the line at the Cheesecake Factory. So they had to wait like an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, Paul, this is like... I love that. Right up your yeah. alley. It is. That's really nice. <laughs> That's really nice to think about. Okay, um, Paul, you have one last rule for surviving Denver that you wanted to, us to end on. Yes. What's that? Well, it's a rule, but it's also got one major exception. So the rule is leave no trace, which is, of course, the rule for when you go out hiking, don't leave your Cliff Bar wrapper uh, next to a bush on the ground, because if everybody did that, the mounds would be full of garbage. But the exception to leave no trace is if you come and you spend five years putting together a solid track record of quality journalism and you help people understand their city better then yeah, that's the kind of trace oh. that's, that's nice to leave. So nice. that's, that's, the, that's the goodbye from, from us, Connor. Thanks for doing Thank that. Thank you. Oh. Really appreciate I'll, that. I'll, I'll second that, Connor. I often reference your work when, um, especially talking about issues around uh, homelessness and politics here in Denver. You've done it. You did such a great and thorough job reporting here, and, and we, really, we really are going to miss you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I took a lot of <laughs> pictures. Right? That's it? <laughs> what is it? Leave nothing but footprints, take nothing but pictures? <laughs> Love it. Love and it. leave no trash. That would be great if people followed that. But I think we know all of us from being out and about and hiking, maybe. People aren't great about it. Pick up your poop. That's the last. Pick, pick up, up your, your dog poop, please. Pick up your dog poop. Please pick up your dog poop. <laughs> I don't think that's a rule for Denver. That's a rule for humanity. Please pick up your dog poop. Leaving it in a bag at the trailhead does not count as picking up your dog poop. So pick up your poop and be grateful for Connor's work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Paul, Connor, thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bream. Well, there you have it. Our 11 essential rules for surviving Denver. But we know this list is incomplete. Send us your hard-fought rules for surviving Denver, and we'll keep this thing fresh and functional. You can text them to us or leave us a voicemail on the Surviving Denver hotline at 720-500-5418. That number again is 720-500-5418. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Wine in grocery stores. 
It's officially day two in this new era of alcohol convenience, with people across Colorado buying wine at grocery stores thanks to last year's ballot initiative, Proposition 125. Customers are enjoying the convenience, as expected, and local liquor store owners are feeling the hurt of yet another exclusive offering being taken away. Our producer Paul Caroli reports that his neighborhood liquor store on Monaco recently closed after 31 years. The owner told him that it wasn't just losing wine to the kings across the street, but the series of changes over the past few years that just cut too deep into his bottom line, like the 2019 introduction of full-strength beer sales to grocery stores. And finally, a moment of joy from our favorite local reality TV show, The Real Eagles of Stanley Lake. It's been a tough few years for the mama eagle known as F420. She and her mate lost their nest in 2021 when their tree split down the middle. Then in 2022, they lost a nest full of hatchlings after only three weeks. But now, good news! F420 and her mate have a brand new egg. It could hatch as soon as early April. We'll post a link to the webcam stream in our show notes if you want to follow the action live. Do you have a moment of Denver joy? We want to hear it. When's the last time you felt love for Denver? Or when's the last time you really felt a part of the city? Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear your moment of joy on the show. Our number is 720-500-5418. Again, bring us your moment of joy at 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Mama Eagle F420 about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. where my colleagues at my first job bought liquor for my high school parties for me when I gave them money. So shout out to them.